Good songs. All right, so um, mixer question, right? Share about one of your favorite shirts. So I, I happen to come across mine. This is part of the inspiration for this great mixer question. There it is. Let's hang it up here so you can admire it. This is a, can you maybe make out what that is? It says on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's an old. Um, so we, we had a motorcycle in India, and it was super fun. Me and Becky zooming around in that thing. And then we got back, and I was kind of like, I'm going to get a bike, you know? And uh, then we uh, got pregnant with Emma, and uh, that was the end of the motorcycle idea. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I got the t-shirt, though, instead. And uh, so I think I had this, uh, actually, I, was, I, I remember this picture. This picture is back in 2009. So it's at least, what, 14 years old? I like this old shirt. And it's, you know, it's seen better days. And uh, the problem, I don't wear it because for some reason I blew out the armpits. Like, <laughs> how does, I'm not sure how that happens. If it weren't for that, I would, I would really like to wear that. <laughs> It's a Ducati. Yeah, is, uh, who's here, Ducati riders? There is, we have a couple Ducati owners. But, you know, I got this idea because, yeah. I mean, I miss this shirt, right? It's, it just needs a couple patches. It just needs a little work, right? It's, it's perfect, and it, you know, if I just take a little bit, you know, it's gonna be all right. If I just take a little bit of this, all right. Don't worry, I got a t-shirt on. A, yeah. No, no, just hang in with me, man. I got some tape here somewhere. This is going to be fantastic, like new. I maybe just need the tape, but I've got to keep. I got to even it out here. So let's see here. I mean, it's, you know, this, this is the old shirt. I love this. All right. Maybe I'll put this one on the inside. Would that be better? Yeah. Brilliant. I'm not sure. There it is. Poke it out a little bit. All right. Sweet. All right. Put it on now, but that would be embarrassing. Maybe later. All right, that's all right. All right, so uh, we're continuing in our message series today. Uh, it's called People of the Light. You know, like Jesus, the light of the world has come. And uh, this may tie in later, I'm not sure. Um, we're hearing the words of Jesus, the light of the world has come, and he wants to lead us into light and uh, put his light and life in us to make us new again. And uh, we've been listening to his words, seeing what he's been doing, and a few Sundays ago, just kind of recap here, uh, Jesus was anointed, he was set apart as the Messiah. The voice from heaven declared, this is my son whom I love, uh, with him I'm well pleased. And then he uh, was empowered visibly by the, by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came on him. And uh, it was his marking out ceremony as the King of the Jews, the promised one, the Son of God who 
uh, had been awaiting, Israel had been awaiting. So that happens, and then the Spirit leads him into the wilderness, and he gets tempted and tested, and he overcomes because he's the Word of God in the flesh. He's God with us, Emmanuel. And he gets hometown, and he went to the synagogue, and uh, somebody handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and he picked the place, we call it Isaiah 61, and it's this classic prophecy about the Messiah who would come. And he reads it, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to release prisoners from their... Wait, release the oppressed? How's it go? I forget. But he says it perfectly, and then he, he sits down, and everybody's watching him. And he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He's the one. He's come. He's right there in their synagogue, sitting down. And it's awesome. People are amazed by his gracious words. And, and he, he does the things that, the, that he just said he would do. He releases the oppressed. He opens the eyes of the blind. He proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. And then he, uh, people are amazed. And then some people are like, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? What's, wait a minute here. Not so fast. And so we see this pattern through Luke. We saw a little bit yet, uh, last Sunday when Alex preached about the woman who anointed Jesus' feet. This amazing act of devotion, and then there's these complainers or critics or skeptics there as well who are like, wait a minute, who is this guy? What does he think he's doing? If he knew this woman, he wouldn't let him t- her touch him. So we have this thing going on back and forth. Jesus and the kingdom of God breaking in and people being amazed and touched and renewed and, and forgiven of sins and healed, and it's great. And then we have this other side, critics, opponents, complainers, questioners, skeptics, back and forth, back and forth. And we're going to see it today as well. So let's pick it up in chapter 5, verse 27. It says, after this, after these different scenarios, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Levi, also known as Matthew, um, same person, tax collector, and he's Jewish. Matthias is his, his Jewish name. Levi is his Jewish name. He's Jewish, and he's, he's working a contract that he or his family bought from the Romans. The Romans are the oppressors. The Romans are the ones who are controlling that area, Israel. Israel is not a sovereign nation at this point. They are part of the Roman Empire. And so the Romans, they, they sell out these contracts for these tax collectors. And these tax collectors, uh, this guy is probably collecting customs taxes as you go from one province to another. And, um, and then they, the Romans, what do they use that money for? To keep oppressing these countries that they've dominated, right? To maintain their rule and their power and their standing armies. Once in a while, the Jews would revolt against this stuff and the Romans would crush them because they were like masters of war. So why would a Jew do this job? Why would a Jewish person do this? Somebody's got to do it. But are you kidding me? You're going to side with these Romans and... Come on, why would you do that? There's got to be more than that. Money. Buy your people. And you have money, which is nice. 
But man, imagine living with that tension in your life. All right. Now, the Jews hated tax collectors, obviously. They're, they're, they're siding with the Romans, and they're getting rich off of uh, their, the exploitation of the Jews. So they're hated, and then Jesus comes. Who's Jesus now? King of the Jews, the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of God. He's come in the flesh, God most high with them. And he comes to this tax collector in his tax collector booth. And what does he do? Does he bring the hammer? Does he give him 30 reasons why he shouldn't be doing that? No, he says, come, follow me. God invites him into relationship. God invites him into the, a new life, calls him to turn away from this old thing, leave it behind, and come follow him. That is a picture that we sum up in a word called repentance, repentance, turning, this radical change of direction in life. It's, it's kind of surprising. I mean, well, let's see what he does next. So Levi, is, Levi starts following Jesus, verse 29 Next thing we see is that then Levi held a great banquet, a party for Jesus at his house. So it's probably a nice house and it's probably a good party. And this is the first thing that Levi wants to do. He wants to host a party for Jesus, for Jesus' house and a large crowd of tax collectors. Like these are the only pe- his only friends he's got probably, right? And, and others, you know, just others, you know, maybe they're hungry, whatever. They, there's a party going on. And others were eating with them. Isn't this great? First thing Levi does is he throws a party for Jesus and invites his friends to come meet Jesus. Why would he do that? Because his life has changed. His life has changed. He's excited. He's overjoyed. This is awesome. The king of the Jews has come. And he invited me into relationship with him. He didn't destroy me. He didn't shun me like everybody else does. He called me into new life with him. And this is like, this is, this is what evangelism should be, right? Evangelism is, uh, I have this great gift that I've received. The king of glory has come into my heart, into my life. And because of this, the gates of heaven are swung wide open for me. I'm alive, I'm anew, I'm one with God, God is in me, I'm in him. And it's so great, I want you to know about it too. And you, and you, I want everybody to know about it. That's a good picture of evangelism. Levi's doing it. All right, so this is sweet, right? This is beautiful. This is the kingdom of God breaking into the world and bringing people into relationship with him. But, as I said earlier, there's a pattern here. Not everybody is happy about this, right? Here comes the complaint. Here comes the complaint. Verse 30. But the Pharisees, you know, the religious people uh, and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect, to this group, they complained to Jesus' disciples. You know, they didn't really have the guts to go straight to Jesus, so they complained to his disciples, right? Why do you, and implied indirectly Jesus, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. What are you doing associating with those people? 
partying with those people, fellowshipping with those people. What are you doing? Don't you know you're not supposed to do that? That's not good. That's not right. You know, and for Jesus, it's like, hey, Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, if you're the Son of God, if you're the King of the Jews, if you're the one who is, call, is calling people into your kingdom, what are you doing? This, this is not the way to do it. All right, so they're, they're judging what Jesus and his disciples are doing. Now, what, let's look at their belief a little bit. Why do they think that way? Why, why are they thinking you shouldn't eat with tax collectors and sinners, just people who are, are clearly not following the letter of the law, kind of doing their own thing, you know? Um, why would they believe that you shouldn't have anything to do with them? Yeah, exactly, right? If you get too close, you get in a relationship with them, before you know it, you're going to be sinning too, right? Maybe you get a tax collector contract, right? Yeah, so that's prevent from being infected by their sin, right? Any other reasons, maybe? If I interact with them, if I fellowship with them, aren't I kind of like condoning what they, what they do? Aren't I kind of saying that's okay, you know, oh, no big deal. Now, Jesus, what's his uh, take on sin? Is he soft on sin, hard on sin? Hard. And yet there he is. Right? He's such a truth and grace, strength and kindness. Right? So they're like, yeah, don't because you don't want to get them, them the idea that they're doing the right thing. And maybe to punish them as well, man. Shun them. Don't have anything to do with those dirty dog tax collectors and sinners. Right? All right, so that's their mindset. So Jesus, by fellowshipping with tax collectors and sinners, is breaking their mindset. He's breaking their box, their old way of thinking, their, their, the thing that they grew up with, their belief, what's right and wrong. He's messing with their world. And this is what Jesus does. This is what the kingdom of God does when it breaks in. It messes with your world. Your, your ideas, what you believe, what you think, your, your frame of interpreting reality. And so we have a clash here between what they believe and think you should do and what Jesus is doing. All right. So their complaint again, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Let's see how Jesus responds to that. He answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, or those who think they're righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's what I'm doing in the world. That's why I came. That's what I bring. Jesus' mission, let's capture in this fill-in. Jesus is saying, I am calling sinners to repentance. That's his work back then. That's the work that he's doing in the world now. Jesus is calling sinners to repentance, to this turning. Now this week, uh, Jason sent me this great video, and uh, it'll be in the weekly email this Tuesday. And it's a story of this ex-gang member named Johnny, and uh, he grew up in this gang life in Southern California. Um, from an immigrant family, uh, family, I mean, that's a, that's a huge, hard transition for families, and his dad uh, drank too much, was abusive, bad family environment, um, and he and his brother just got into a lot of trouble. They rebelled, uh, and when he was 12, Johnny was 12 years old, 
he left the house to join a gang. Because he's like, hey, that looks better than this. Um, and he, he developed this mindset. His mindset was, I'm going to do what I think is best. I don't trust and believe anything that's going on in my home. I'm going to do what I think is best. That's going to make me happy. I think joining a gang is going to make me happy. I'm going to go do that. All right. So uh, it didn't take long. He gets in trouble. Right? He gets in trouble with the law. Breaks the law, robberies, armed robberies, violent offenses. Gets put in juvie. Uh, gets out. Goes back to gang life. Beats up some people. Gets put in jail. This time for 12 years. So he's in there 12 years. He's a mess. He's in the box, clearly, right? Sinner. Fair? All right, sinner. Kind of like a tax collector. <laughs> clearly, all right, man, this... This guy's doing some, some bad things to people. You need to take him off the streets. Um, so after 12 years, he's, while he's on parole, uh, he's trying to get his life together. He's trying to do the right things, trying to, but he slips back into the gang life. And he's got an idea. Hey, let's rob this guy. He brings his friend there. Uh, he's going to rob this guy who's in a car. And he goes, the, the plan is for Johnny to go to one side of the car and his friend to go to the other side of the car. And when they do that, his friend kind of cuts in front of him and kind of mixed up signals. So his, his friend went where he thought he would go. So he ended up going on the other side. Then bam, 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 his friend gets shot and dies in Johnny's arms. The car drives off. So his friend's dying in his arms. And Johnny's in this place where he feels like, man, death is just right on my coattails. Death is closing in on me. And I've tried to do the right things, and it's not working. And he's hating himself. He's blaming others. Uh, he's a mess. And he's empty. He just doesn't know where to turn. So he's in this spot. And um, he didn't get arrested. He got away uh, with it that time. His mom one day says, hey, my car broke down. I need a ride to church. So he's like, OK, I give my mom a ride to church. But mom. I'm not going to talk to the pastor. Don't evangelize me. I'm not going inside. All right? I'll take you there. I'll stay in the car. You can, you know. All right, so he goes, and the pastor runs up to the car and invites Johnny in, and he says the magic words. I got black bean noodles in there for you. And I guess apparently Johnny loves these black bean noodles. Anybody know what that is? Yeah. Apparently it's, oh, yeah, there it is. Good. Yeah, yeah, we got, a, we got a thumbs up over there. All right, so he goes in. After a while, the pastor starts talking to him, all right, while he's eating his black bean noodles. He asks him a question. Are you a sinner? And John says, he heard this, he was kind of mad. Like, yeah, he's got all tatted up. There's a picture of him here, I think. Did I show you a picture? Yeah, there he is. Got tattoos all over. He's, he's obviously, uh, he's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Isn't everybody? You know, we all are. We've all done things that we shouldn't do. Uh, then the next question the pastor asked is, what is sin? And he's kind of annoyed, but he's like, well, you know, you do the wrong things. You, you do what you shouldn't do. You know, you, you hurt people, you, you crime, you know, violence, this stuff. It's bad. It, it's sin, right? So he, he had that sense. And the pastor said, not so. And so it caught Johnny's attention and he said, first of all, sin is trusting in yourself above God. 
trusting in yourself above God and what he says and what he's said and what he does. It's trusting yourself, your own analysis of the situation, your own decision about what's right or wrong, good or bad, your own perspective. When we put that above God and his word, things go awry. And that's sin. That's the essence of sin. And I was like, is that right? Because I'm listening to this. And, I, and so I go to, first sin, Adam and Eve. What do they do? God said to them, his word to them is, don't eat from that tree. It will kill you. Right? And what do they do? Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it was good for food, she decides, no, it's good for food. She's trusting herself, her own assessment, her own analysis. And pleasing to the eyes, she's trusting her own eyes instead of what God has said. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. Somebody shared that message. Somebody out in the world, this talking snake, said, hey, yeah, this actually is going to make you wise. So there's this tempter coming in. So she took some and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, loving wife that she was, who was with her. And he's watching the whole thing. Ah, you know? And he trusts her, or he trusts, you know, his own eyes as well. He, he ignores what God has said, and he ate also. This is the story, the, the picture of sin. Trusting yourself, what you think is going to play out well, the way you think it's going to be better, versus trusting God, seeking him, listening to him. What has he said about this? What has he said clearly in his word? He's said a lot about what's right or wrong, the good way to go, the way to life, the way to death. He's spelled out a lot. And then how do I apply that in this particular situation? Lord God, help me know what to do here. I want to do your will. I kind of want to do this. This looks appealing according to my own calculations, but I don't always trust what I do because when I do trust what I think, that has led me astray. Uh, so what do you say, Jesus? I want to trust you. I want to follow you here. Right? This, is, this is the essence of sin and new life in God. Sin is trusting yourself above God. That's what that pastor said to Johnny. The other thing he said is, number two, it's inherited. It's inherited. You inherited it. Johnny was saying, yeah, I'm Chinese because my dad was Chinese because his dad was Chinese. I inherited that. I didn't choose to be Chinese. I'm Chinese, right? And it's the same with sin. You didn't choose to be a sinner. You were born a sinner. This is clear in Scripture. Romans 5, 12. God has made it clear for us. Sin entered the world through one man, Adam. Adam and Eve together. Adam. And, through, and death through sin. With, death, with sin comes death. And in this way, death came to all people because all sin. The analogy he said is, is like, and it's, uh, it's not an apple, but it's seeds. And what happens if you plant those seeds? What do you get? Apple tree produces apples, right? No matter how hard that tree tries, it will produce apples. I want to produce mangoes today. Good luck. It's not going to happen. Try as hard as you want. Much, yeah, much resolution as you can muster, you will produce apples. Same with sin. It's just there. You're born with it. It wasn't you were born good and then you sinned and you became a sinner. You were born in sin. Clearly, repeatedly laid out in Scripture. So, 
we're like people, we're imperfect people trying to be perfect. And when you try that again and again and again, and you fail and you fail and you fail, you break those resolutions, you break... It can be defeating, man. You start blaming others. Well, it's not my fault. It's my family's fault. It's this fault. You know, this guy over here. Blame your wife. You know, we can do that. Self-hatred. Dang, I am just the worst. Why can't I get my act together? It's because you're an apple tree, man. And when you really realize that, you come to terms with that instead of like, man, I just need to try harder. I just need to try this new thing. I just need to listen to that new podcast then you come to a place where you're ready to repent. Jesus' invitation, be healed of your sin sickness by repenting. That's the way out. That's the way out of this situation. Repentance, what does that look like? Next fill-in means I'm stuck, it's coming to this awareness, I am stuck. I need you, God. I'm stuck. I try, I try, I've tried this, 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 you know. I thought this was the way. I'm stuck. I need you, God. I need something greater, more powerful than me. I don't have it. I've tried it. I tried it again last Thursday. I'm stuck. I keep hitting this wall. I need you, God. That's a place of when you're ready for the new life that Jesus has come to bring you and me. And it's not just that one time when you turn to God, it's a weekly, daily thing, right? How many of you started trusting yourself this past week? Your own plans, your own ways of doing things, your old ways of doing things. Well, this has only worked, this maybe worked in the past, is what everybody tells me to do. It doesn't work. <laughs> All right. I'm stuck. I need you, God. That's honest. That's confession, really. All right, that's reality. I'm stuck. I need you, God. That's true of everyone because it's inherited, right? Our under sin. All, everyone. Whatever your ethnic background, social, economic background, whatever your family was like, good family, terrible family, uh, education level, we all alike are under sin. No one is righteous, not even one. That's the situation. It's reality. We can fight against it. We can say, I don't really like that idea. It's reality. All right, so repentance is, I'm stuck. I need you, God. Next thing, it's, I am now choosing. I'm going to choose once, twice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep choosing to trust you, Lord, and what you say, your word, over and above myself. Over and above, my culture says, my family says, my boss says, that podcast says, you know, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to choose. It's a choice. It's an action. It requires us to, one, okay, I'm stuck. I need God. This is the way it goes. This is what he says. Repent. Follow me. I'm going to go all in on that. I'm going to stop questioning every little thing. I'm going to, I'm going to stop analyzing, overanalyzing everything. I'm going to trust and follow Jesus. And when you do that for the first time, he brings you into new life. He gives you what he says he will give you, which is forgiveness of sins and a new heart. A new heart. A new heart. He moves you from the line of Adam to the line of God. From child of Adam to child of God. 
from sinner to saved, from dead in sin, hopeless, doomed, to united with God, with a future in him. That's the offer. That's what Jesus is doing in the world. He does it that one big time in you. When you make that big decision, he does it every day. All right, let's, let's, let's say this prayer of repentance just to take this into ourselves. This is what it looks like, all right? It's putting your trust in him, um, acknowledging that you're stuck without him. Here we go. Let's read this together on the screen. Actually, try to pray it. Move from reading to praying. We're talking to God here together. I believe, let's do it together. I believe you are the sinless son of God. And your sacrifice on the cross paid for my sins, past, present, and future in full. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you to follow you as Lord of my life. That's repentance. That's where new life with God begins. And then it's a constant journey, constant choice. Am I going to follow God in this? I'm going to follow myself. All right, this is what it looks like. This is awesome, right? You know, Levi experienced this. Uh, maybe some other tax collectors and sinners experienced that. Uh, the Pharisees missed out, right? They're like, that complaint. So Jesus gives them the answer. This is the deal. This is why the Son of God has come, to bring sinners to repentance. So, but they weren't satisfied with that. Here we go again. Verse 33. They said to him, this time to Jesus, they said to him, John's disciples, so John the Baptist is still active at this point in Jesus' ministry, preparing people for the Lord, getting them ready to meet Jesus. All right, John's disciples often fast and pray. Look at these guys, man. They're, they're religious, man. They, they do the stuff. They fast, they self-deprivation, and they pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Right? But yours go on eating and drinking. Complaint number one, why are you eating and interacting with sinners and tax collectors? Complaint number two, your disciples eat and drink and have these celebrations. While you know the religious people fast and pray. Like get with the program, Jesus. You know, we can't deny you're doing miracles. We can't deny God is at work in you. Something is happening here, but you're not following the program. You're not doing it the way we think you should be doing it. And then I hear myself, I'm like, I do that too. Jesus, you should be doing it this way. But you seem to be doing it this way. What's up? And we fight with God like that sometimes. All right, so the complainers are complaining again. And Jesus answers them. He responds to this. Now, Jesus could be at this point, man, he's got a lot of patience, right? I'm just thinking like flick. Let's, Jesus could do that. The lightning bolt flick. He doesn't. He's so patient, <laughs> thankfully. All right, verse 34, Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? Jesus brings an image to mind. What's the image? Wedding, yeah. Yeah, or bachelor party. The whole scenario, man, and it's a big deal. Jewish wedding is like seven days long. It is a party. You better make sure you have enough wine, right? It is, it's a big deal. And Jesus is saying, the groom is here. 
The wedding feast has begun. I'm bringing it to earth. I'm inviting people in. Me joining with different people around the table, Pharisees, tax collectors, sinners, that's me inviting people into the party. You're invited too. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. Stop making it hard for everybody. Join the party. Let's go. New life. Abundant life. The life of God's spirit. Joy, peace, all those things is for you. Jesus is the groom. Who's the bride? Yeah, the church. Those he's come to save. He's bringing us in. He's bringing us into the party. This is awesome, right? I love that. We had a, a, I did a memorial this past Saturday, not yesterday, the week before. And it was funny, you know, talking to people who are like outside of the church, not connected to Jesus, a lot of times they're like, oh, um, you know, they find out I'm a pastor. Sometimes they're shocked. And um, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. It's like this, this, this category that you, nobody wants to be put into, right? It's like tax collectors. Oh, you're religious. Oh, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Um, so there's this, there's this thing that we have a faulty picture of. And I had it too before I was a Christian. So I grew up in the Catholic Church, high school, uh, college. I was like, nah, it's my parents' thing. Uh-uh. I, I think it's out there. I started trusting myself instead of this thing. So I go out there, and I hit a wall, I hit a wall, I hit a wall, I hit a wall, I hit a wall. Try a lot of different things. All right, so empty. All right, like Johnny. And, uh, and then I meet some Christians, and they start talking about Jesus. And I'm like, I know what this is. I grew up with this but I didn't know what it was. It was similar, same Jesus, same, some of the same language, but they said, hey, why don't you read the Gospel of John? Why don't you actually listen to Jesus' words? They didn't say it like, they said it nicer. I was like, okay, I'll look. And I'm like, whoa, this is Jesus? And they kept pointing me to Jesus. They didn't point me to religion. They didn't point me to a church. They didn't point me to a pastor. They didn't point me to, they pointed me to Jesus because he's the one. He's the king. He's the one that, came to save us. And when that happened, that mind shift, I took off that old and put on that new. I'm like, oh, wow. This is, this is familiar, but different and better and intriguing. And I kept reading and reading and getting to know Jesus better. That's what God wants to do with us there. He wants to help us take off the old, old mindset. And listen, all of us, Bro, we do not have a clear picture of Jesus and what he's called. We're, we're flawed. You know, we got the Spirit of God in us now. We got some great resources. We got the Word of God. You know, a lot of it's clear, but man, we got to be humble. Got to stay humble, all right, because we can get off pretty quickly, right? And we got each other to help each other, um, but we still need to, there's places where we need to take off that old thinking or take off our culture's thinking or to listen to Jesus and what he's saying what he has said, and what he's leading us to do uh, today. So Jesus wants to help them do that. He's trying to help us do that. So he gives us a parable, masterful Jesus. All right, he told him this parable, verse 36. Go ahead. One more. There we go. All right, he told him this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch the old one. Hey, wait, what do you mean? 
Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. Oh. Oh. All right. Hmm. You know, I, I kind of thought it didn't really look good when I did it, but I was a little embarrassed and I felt a little foolish. So, but yeah, you're right, Jesus. No one's foolish enough to do that. All right. And so in case we miss the message, because he knows that sometimes it takes more than once, he gives us another slightly different story, same message. Verse 37, and no one pours new wine, got some new wine, they got these old leathery wineskins. No one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. I didn't want to demonstrate this. <laughs> the, the, wine, the new wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined, and the new wine is ruined. It's on the floor. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. What's the point here? A couple points. Maybe they're, they're overlapping. Next fill-in. Don't ruin, don't ruin the new thing that Jesus is doing. To hold on to the old. He knows our tendency to clutch to the old. It's comfortable. We know it. You know, it doesn't work perfectly, but we, you know, it's me. It's, it's my personality. It's, you know. Uh, no. Don't ruin the new thing that Jesus is doing, wants to do, by trying to hold on to the old. We do this in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we, we twist, we change the new thing. We kind of, you know, eh, I don't, did Jesus really say that? You know, because we don't want to take hold of it. We want to hold on to the old. We all have this tendency. Um, so that's one layer of it. The other layer, number two, the new thing that Jesus is doing does not fit the old. Doesn't fit. So in both of these situations, Jesus is confronting you and me with a choice. You're going to hold on to the old? If you do, you're going to ruin the new. You're going to miss out on that. And in, the old's going to be ruined as well. You've got to make a choice. Jesus is offering new life, more life. New life for you for the first time, some of you, and new life, more life for the rest of us, those who are already in Jesus. There's more for you. There's more new for you. The Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, they were missing out. God in the flesh, the one that they, they thought they were praying to, is right there. And they missed him. And they're complaining. They're getting in the way of other people coming into new life with him. Let's not be in that place. Let's be open. Jesus, what are you doing here? I want to hear from you. I'm willing to go where you want to go. I'm nervous about that. But I, I'm going to let go. Let's go, Jesus, wherever you want to lead. All right. So that's the parable. And then he adds this, verse 39, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new. For they say the old's better. Right? These are the curmudgeons. Right? We get stuck. We get stuck. Tragically, some will never take hold of the new because it's the, yeah, it's, it's the old. It's my old. I'm comfortable with it. Um, but I'm convinced of better things for us here at OTC, right? So next fill in. If you haven't yet, today is a good day to let go of the old and take hold of the new, right? Repent, turn away from that old way of living where you're trusting yourself, 
You're just kind of repeating the same mistakes and turn to Jesus, receive what he's offering you, come into new life. All right, if you want to do that, talk to somebody uh, during this last song, get prayer, talk to me. We want to help you move into this new life. Fill in number two, if you're already one with Jesus, you're already in, you're already new. God's spirit is in you, you've been forgiven, you know this, you've you've put your trust in, in what he's done for you. If you're already one with Jesus, keep letting go. Keep letting go of the old. Stop clutching onto it. Stop letting go of the old to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Wherever he leads. He's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's going to lead you into some new ground, some new territory, some new experiences. He's going to stretch you, and it's going to be uncomfortable. This is what he does. But he does it for your good. He does it because he wants to give you more life. There's more for us. Let's not camp out where we were two years ago. Let's move forward with Jesus. Let's stand. Let's pray. Let's help. Let's ask the Lord to help us connect this to our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, God most high, creator of heaven and earth. You are big, you are powerful, you are the source of all life, and you have more life for us. We thank you for that, Jesus. More joy, more freedom, uh, more insight, uh, more that you want to do in us and through us, Lord God. Thank you for that. Thank you. you. You don't, it doesn't run out. It's not like we master this thing, we're done, and that's it. No, you keep leading us into the new. Lord, give us courage, give us freedom, help us trust you, help us in our unbelief to trust you and follow you wherever you lead us, Lord. Help us truly surrender those areas of our lives where we're just clutching, holding on for some, you know, for some reason. We look to you, God, help us, empower us by your spirit this week to move out with you. Amen.